It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. They were in a plaza right in front of the New York Times yelling, we want freedom, and then defund the media. And I looked at the, the protests, and they were, you know, they were every color of people you could imagine. This is not like, you know, the white Republicans feeling this way in, in uh, New York. It's not that way at all. And, um, and so you saw, I saw a Let's Go Brandon sign. Of course, you know, yes. Let's Go Brandon and Medical Freedom Now. They're upset because they, you know, they have the most draconian lockdown uh, restrictions and rules. They have to have, show a vaccine that they've been vaccinated when they go to a restaurant, and they're finding restaurants that don't comply with this. So they're very upset about this, and rightfully so. Their teachers are being forced, and um, they we want freedom. That's what they're shouting. We want freedom, and that seems to be the cry all over the country. I don't know. I saw um, Dr. Fauci on with Chris Wallace yesterday, and he didn't seem quite so certain. He looked very sober, to me, and I was actually delighted. Instead of having that little smirky grin that, well, I don't, I don't know, you know, we have to, everyone needs to get vaccinated. It's the science, you know, we have to follow the science. I'm sorry, well, yeah, he said that. He says the same things over and over again, but he didn't look quite so confident. And I was really happy about that. And I was also happy, also, also happy when I saw this clip. I think this is NBC. Yeah, NBC. And I think it was, um, it's the gals, you know. And they were observing, maybe it's Good Morning America. I have to look, that's ABC. But this was um, this was their response to something that Fauci said that I found amusing. Let's listen. This morning, college football fans are getting ready once again to pack stadiums nationwide. For weeks, crowds in the tens of thousands, mostly unmasked, have sat side by side, now cheering on their teams at the halfway point of the season. They're bringing more energy than before. People are more pumped up. Yes, sir. All while doctors warned of game coming potential super spread events. A frightening prospect with hospitals at the time already on the brink. As soon as I saw it, I thought COVID's about to have a feast. What did you think? I thought the same thing. I think it's really unfortunate. But it never happened. COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths now all down nationwide. Do those scenes of those packed crowds give you less anxiety than they did back in September? It does. It definitely gives me less anxiety at that time as I see some increased number of vaccinated people uh, and the decrease in the dwindling numbers, for sure. Cases are now in steep decline in every college football state across the South. 
including Florida, where hospitalizations fell 64% last month, even as some 90,000 fans packed the Gator Stadium. You see it on TV and it looks really scary because we're not used to seeing that anymore. But in reality, I think the exposure isn't as great as we think it is. Doctors crediting games in open air venues, a vaccination bump during the surge, and natural immunity after Delta swept through younger populations. Dr. Cindy Prinz is an epidemiologist at the University of Florida who's been studying infection control at outdoor events. We prefer to learn by studying, but I'd say in this case, we probably learned a little bit by doing as well. So it's not a matter of trying to keep people from doing activities. It really is a matter of trying to figure out, you know, can these be done safely? A timely concern as large-scale events increasingly move indoors. For today, Shaquille Brewster, NBC News, Memphis. Now, that's really something. That's NBC News. And they're talking about how all the experts, the doctors... Uh, said these college uh, events would be super spreaders. You heard, you heard it. And what did they say? NBC said it never happened. In fact, COVID infections are going down. Death rates are going down. Uh, and there's been no super spreading event from college football. So um, that I think that's another. That's probably one of the other reasons why Dr. Fauci doesn't look quite so you know, confident and cocky. Uh, now that doesn't mean that I am not saying that the um, well, I think they're monsters, the health monsters, who are causing people to die by not giving them treatment that is effective for COVID, letting them languish on respirators until they die, and then declaring it was a COVID death and of an unvaccinated person. I have to say, you, and also you have to know that it's vaccinated people are also dying. Vaccinated people are also getting COVID. There's no victory in saying that. This is a travesty. They have done a number on all of us, and we have to stop letting them do this. And I, I also have to hasten to say that I am not saying, by uh, playing that clip, that I think that COVID is not dangerous, because it is taking people's lives. I had another uh, person, I had someone I don't know, but someone else knows them really well, who's on a ventilator, young dad, like 40. He's, he's losing his life. But guess what? You know, because he's not getting medication. They put them on a respirator and then just let them die. I just, it is wrong. Our hospitals that we once trusted to treat us and bring us to health, our doctors that we once placed our life in their hands, are letting people die. It's just a travesty. And so um, I just have to say, practically speaking, again, I have to say this, ivermectin, 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 that's not the only treatment, but it is so effective. It's, it's an amazing medication. And if you want to know more about it, go to um, flccc.net. I think that's flccc.net. That's frontline uh, critical care. Uh, and it tells you all about ivermectin. Uh, and then also, if, you, if you're having trouble getting it, go to myfreedoctor.com, myfreedoctor.com. It is free. Uh, you get care for, uh, they will see you for a donation. Uh, you don't go through your uh, insurance, and they can get you that ivermectin. And that reminds me of this clip. I have to jump down and get this, Adam. Let's go to clip 11, because Joe Rogan, now I'm not really familiar with Joe, except that he's been a real champion on this. He's not a conservative as far as I know. He's a, I mean, conservative politically, not conservative in terms of his language and manner. 
Uh, but he uh, he got sick, and they they were kind of happy because he was another media personality that had talked against um, you know the COVID restrictions, and then he got COVID, and yeah, look at that. But he survived because he got ivermectin. So then they went after him, and I'm going to let you hear how they went after him. And then you're going to hear Joe um, interacting with Sanjay Gupta from CNN. Uh, that'll be short. It's that it was actually a longer clip because Joe really nailed Sanjay, the doctor, the official CNN doctor, and CNN itself. And so, listen to the progression here uh, of how they talked about ivermectin, how they discredited this wonder drug, really, when it comes to treating iver, uh, uh, COVID and other other diseases like that. This is clip eleven. Let's listen. It blows my mind that Joe Rogan just yesterday admitted to taking. Ivermectin. Ivermectin is something more often used to deworm horses. CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Rogan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock. Rogan said the word ivermectin. Yes, that's the deworming medicine made to kill parasites and farm animals. Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? So things are clearly bad, but they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. Wait, 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 wait a second. He, he said that he got better because he ate he said cattle he's been, dewormer. He, they must know that that's a lie. You have individuals like Joe Rogan, for example, who uh, who don't want to take an experimental vaccine but will take horse dewormer. Well, well, well. well if well, it is well. an old horseworm Rogan. <laughs> Ivermectin is often used to deworm livestock. Ivermectin apparently given to deworm animals. It's a lie on a new network it, and it's a lie that's a willing that's that's a lie that they're conscious of it's not a mistake yeah they're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine joe rogan uh he came down with COVID. he says he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh ivermectin they lied what did and they said i was taking horse dewormer ivermectin is a drug that is commonly used as a horse Dewormer. They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. You know, doctors right. say, doctors say you could take it for humans. Yeah, but not for coronavirus. He may not have gotten it from the feed supply store, but it's the same compound. When you have a horse deworming medication that's discouraged by the government, that actually causes some people in this crazed environment we're in to actually want to try it. That's the upside down where we're in with figures like Joe Rogan. Bro, do I have to sue CNN? He also acknowledged taking a controversial treatment designed for animals. Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer. They, they, they shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. <laughs> so that was Sanjay Gupta. Why did they do that? Uh, Joe was asking him, why did they do that? I don't know. So ivermectin is a, an award-winning, I, I always want to say, it's the Nobel Prize, I think it was, uh, for it was a wonder drug. And yes, it's given to animals, but there's a compound that's given to humans. And so that's the way they've discredited this really effective treatment. And so don't don't fall for it. Uh, they they what foolish people, what foolish people. They themselves may get sick. Uh, they themselves, you know, may have loved ones who need help. And I, I you know, and are, do they really believe what they're saying? Are they so on a crusade to prove that there's no treatment to help the medical establishment to to make sure that everyone in the world is vaccinated and now we're just hearing horrendous things about the vaccination i can't i can't say enough about this i'm going to do actually i didn't mean to spend as much time in the opening here on this but but i am going to talk a lot more about it today i just feel like there's so many people that still need help 
and I don't want people dying unnecessarily. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. And so we're going to give help as much as we can. There's some other news that I want to bring to you. Um, you remember Casey DeSantis, Casey's Ron's wife, uh, uh, She, Ron, Governor Ron DeSantis' wife. She's a beautiful girl. I think she was a media before they married. Um, and so uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer recently. Um, and uh, over the weekend, Ron appeared in, uh, for a, a Republican gathering and I want you to hear what happened. Let's listen. Probably the most important person that uh, has stood by me is our wonderful First Lady. And uh, I just want to thank you for all the thoughts and prayers. I trust in the Lord. I know how tough she is. She's doing very, very well. And in fact, she's doing so well that she wanted to come here tonight and say hello to you. So, here she is. Uh, I hear when you get a standing ovation before you even walk in the door, you should probably just leave. <laughs> and I think there's a lot that we can be upset about, that we can be sad about, the direction of our country, the future of our nation, our families, our communities, our safety, our children, their education, their futures, our health, and our well-being. But I'll tell you one thing is for sure. I'm sure it's not giving up. Never, ever, ever give up the fight. Ever. All right, so if you wonder why Ron DeSantis, uh, one of the reasons why he's as strong as he is, he's married to Casey DeSantis, and you just heard her spirit. Never, never give up. Uh, that's who he sleeps with at night. And I can tell you that, you know, that makes a big difference in your life. I always said George W. Bush's, one of his big weaknesses was Laura Bush. Beautiful that she was, a lady that she was. I loved that about her, but she was a leftist uh, from the same vein as Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm not saying she was as far left, but she ran in the same circles, had the same opinions, were, was affiliated with the same women's groups, and when he laid his head down on the pillow at night, it was Laura that influenced him, and I think that's uh, really what explains a lot of his move to the left. It's been very disappointing to me. Um, all right, so when we come back, more about COVID, more about COVID and other things, too. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning. A teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS, his mother was an extremist, and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ, they prayed nonstop for his salvation, and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you, because they hated me and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible it meant everything to him and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's word to endure and persevere. And I said, Ahmed, those Bibles, they're coming. Bible League invites you to send God's word to Bibleist believers around the world in our campaign The World Needs the Word at only $5 a Bible, every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org 
Org. Okay, some good news during a challenging time for everybody, and this could really help. You may know hundreds of thousands of people have already made the switch to MediShare, which is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And with so many people looking at how they pay for healthcare right now, seeing premiums going up or the cost of COBRA plans, MediShare has a special offer and a lot of people are taking advantage of it. Simply apply by October 30th and they will waive your new member fee. That's $170 savings. And of course, that's just a start. The typical family saves $500 a month after making the switch. MediShare is a Christian community that has shared over $4 billion in medical bills and it's worked beautifully for decades. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu. The Southern Baptist Convention is waging a fierce war within its own ranks. Woke preachers and seminarians embracing critical race theory and condemning Baptists who support President Trump. A professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary blasted Christians who are concerned about attacks on religious liberty. Professor Karen Swallow Pryor called them cosplay Christians. Now comes word the denomination's top leader, Ronnie Floyd, has resigned. His resignation coming amid a debate over how to handle sexual abuse allegations. Dr. Floyd's a good and decent man. He was accused of the left of being insensitive and uncaring, all untrue. Dr. Floyd responded as a man of God, but unfortunately, he was dealing with a bunch of political activists, wolves in sheep's clothing, or as Professor Pryor might call them, cosplay Christians. Be sure to download a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, at ToddStarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I think the question you have to ask about Tony Fauci, and quite honestly, the other people in our healthcare agencies is, have their policy prescriptions, have they worked? We have more than 700,000 people dead now. We spent trillions of dollars. The the human toll, the economic devastation. We're at each other's throats now with these divisive mandates that are going to destroy our health care system, destroy our military readiness. Their policy prescriptions have been a miserable failure and the biggest blunder of all. They ignored early treatment. They sabotaged early treatment. Now now they're all hopping on on board this uh, Merck Molnupiravir. The doctors groups that I'm dealing with, uh, they call it money peer Now, Merck, by the way, invented or they patented uh, ivermectin. They've been trash talking ivermectin in favor now of this drug that'll be like $700 a dose versus ivermectin costs about six or seven cents a pill. So again, you have to take a look at his record, which of course the mainstream media will never do. These people 
people will never admit they were wrong, and they've got the power to make sure that they're never proven wrong. There's something very sinister going on here, Tucker, and it has cost tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people their lives. Science has been corrupted. Our medical system has been yeah. corrupted. Now, I, I put a chart on the Senate floor last week that showed the pandemic was winding down before the vaccines ever had a chance to take off. Now, you'd expect on that chart that the, the pandemic would continue to wind down. It didn't. We've had this huge delta surge. And again, the, the blunder was the fact that we completely ignored and sabotaged early treatments. There's literally a cornucopia yes. of different drugs and a multi-drug treatment that there are hundreds of doctors that actually have the courage and compassion to treat patients. They've been saving lives, but now they can't even get some of these drugs because it has yeah. been so corrupted. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to underscore what I said to you in the opening. That's uh, Senator Ron Johnson has become a good friend and a hero, that's for sure. And uh, you heard the sabotage of ivermectin when we played that clip with Joe Rogan just a few minutes ago. I mean, that's not an understatement. That's what they've done, and that's what the medical community, not all of them, there are some hero doctors, I'm telling you, across the country fighting back on this, but they are taking tremendous risk. They're threatening their licensing. Uh, They're being shunned. Uh, You know, it's, it's their livelihood. This is the story across the nation. And so um, that's what Ron Johnson says about that. And that's and again, the point that he made about this new uh, treatment that's being put out by Merck, suddenly they're all excited about it. And just let me put this in perspective. One of the reasons that they have been denigrating hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, is because according to the rules, whoever's rules these rules are, you can't, pass, you can't you know, give full sanction to a vaccination. Vaccinations are not necessary if there's effective treatment. Think about that. You know, if you can get well with something else, you don't need a vaccine. So they were desperate to destroy the reputation of any medicine that could have an effect on COVID because they wanted you to get the vaccine. And I'm going to say more about that in a minute. Yes, do I get upset? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I don't apologize. People are dying uh, because of this. It's horrendous. It is wicked. And we have to shout it from the housetops to stop this. Uh, Yesterday, Chris Wallace interviewed Dr. Fauci, the little kind, you know, munchkin of a guy who has been responsible directly or indirectly for the deaths of hundreds of of thousands of people, all the while doing very well himself on patents and other things related to the vaccine. Uh, As I said to you, what, a month or so ago, Dr. Mengele comes to mind when I think of Dr. Fauci. So Chris Wallace is talking to to Dr. Fauci, and they're discussing mandates. Let's listen. In a number of places, uh, police, uh, pilots, Uh, Health workers are threatening job action if vaccine mandates are enforced. I want you to take a look at the police union official in Chicago and then the mayor of that city. Here they are. It's safe to say the city of Chicago will have a police force at 50 percent or less for this weekend coming up. If those who are sworn to uphold the law act as if they're above the law. We're not going to tolerate that. That's not acceptable. When we're talking about essential workers, maybe going off a job like half of a police force, should local officials or should corporate executives back off enforcing these mandates? Well, Chris, I mean, 
I'm not comfortable with telling people what they should do under normal circumstances. But we are not in normal circumstances right now. Take the police. We know now the statistics. More police officers die of COVID than they do in other causes of death. So uh, it doesn't make any sense to not trying to protect yourself as well as the colleagues that you work with. So I, I think if we can get people to just think about that, think about the implications of not getting vaccinated when you're in a position where you have a responsible job and you want to protect yourself because you're needed at your job, whether you're a police officer or a pilot or any other of those kinds of occupations. I, 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 uh, more policemen are killed or die from COVID than other things? Are you kidding me? And uh, if you don't believe that that might not be true, perhaps you would know because you've seen Dr. Fauci so often that it is an abject lie that he doesn't feel comfortable telling people what to do. He tells people what to do constantly, whether it's vacations or whether it's how to celebrate Thanksgiving or Christmas. He's always got a word for you about what you should do and should not do. So um, and now people, uh, the Chicago police, since they mentioned that, will go there first. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor, the odd, strange-looking, wicked-looking, actually, mayor, uh, made this declaration not long ago. This is clip 15. Let's listen. They're going to show up, they're going to report for duty, and they're going to comply with a legal directive from the city and an order from the police department. Anything less would be insubordination. And I hope that members um, of the department are not led um, over the cliff without a parachute by anybody who tells them they can just ignore legal, proper direction. Just because she says it doesn't make it so. It is not a legal, proper directive. She knows it, they know it, and our members know it. We had a special meeting last night of membership, and I can tell you we had the place stuffed more people than had ever been at any meeting in my 26 years on this job. And it was unanimous across the board. Hold the line. Don't bend. It's not well, John Catanzara. It's not John Catanzara pushing this. John Catanzara is the mouthpiece for the FOP members who want something done on their behalf. That's the uh, voice of John Catanzara, and he's the uh, president of the Chicago Fraternal Order of Police. All right, so uh, John says uh, 50%, 50% of the officers in Chicago are not going to comply. We are not going to comply. That's what they're saying. And uh, John had more to say in a longer clip. I think this was with Laura Ingram. I'm not sure. He was on a couple of uh, shows, but this is clip 16. Let's listen. Well, because the policy for, first of all, is schizophrenic. The teachers have a different policy. The teachers are literally you're vaccinated or you get tested. You don't have to report your vaccine status. We have a mandate to report our vaccine status by midnight tonight. doesn't make any sense. The numbers we have are probably around half, are not. But even the ones that are still, like myself, believe that a forced mandate is absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Don't look over there. Listen to what I say. Everything from this mayor is a dictatorship. This is all about policy from the top. There was no public outcry for this policy to take effect. She just decided she was going to do it and push it on the entire city workforce across the board. There's low cooperation, and this is just not the police department. You include firemen, first responders. We've gotten calls from laborers' unions, streets and sand, the water department, you name it. Everybody across the board is up in arms about this mandate. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. We had a meeting the other night, and 
our lodge had never been more filled with members. It's just, they are literally engaged in this fight going forward. They were willing to go into a no-pay status at midnight tonight and get sent home uh, if that's what was going to happen and get locked out by the city. I don't know that that's going to change very much if now they're threatening suspension or even termination. You know, the reality is we have a profession nobody else wants to do right now. They cannot get anybody to go into this a police academy. But yet here she is vilifying the police yet again in a city that has over 185 expressway shootings this year alone. Over 280 kids shot this year alone, and she acts like there's nothing else going on but this COVID. Uh, very well said, John Contenzara. That's, again, the president of the Federal Order, um, Order Police uh, Union. So uh, they're saying, we're not, we're, we're not listening. We're not listening. We are not going to do that. We are not going to do that. So there is some comfort among the ranks in Chicago. But you know what? Keep in mind that there are real costs to this. If you, in my hometown of Chicago, the black neighborhoods are war zones. The children are like fodder. They get shot like they have no value. And this, you know, Lori Lightfoot doesn't care. You know, I have to say also, I know through Bruce's, Bruce's work there as an FBI agent, that the police, uh, in spite of what you hear from Lori Lightfoot and other race baiters, the black community are grateful for the police. They're grateful they want to have a normal life. They want their kids to be able to go to school, to sleep in their bedrooms without being shot through the walls. But now if 50% of the police walk off because they're being forced to take a vaccination that they feel is uh, dangerous on some level, that they should not be forced to do this with the uncertainties, um, then this is going to create more death and more disaster. And so just be clear on what the what the what's at stake here but of course of course this is not a small thing for these police to do this this is not a small thing let's go across the country to washington state where governor inslee has been worse than lori lightfoot in terms of his dictatorship and more people in washington state have caved so there aren't as many brave people out there but there is one it's a washington state police patrol officer named robert lemay and he did a video last night in his car, you can see it, and I'm going to play the audio for you. It was his last night on the job after 20, uh, 22 years, I believe. You'll hear him say specifically. Let's listen. This is my final sign-off. Um, after 22 years of serving the citizens of the state of Washington, um, being asked to leave because I am dirty. Um, numerous fatalities, um, injuries. I've worked sick. I've played sick. Um, we buried lots of friends over these years. I'd like to thank you guys. I'd like to thank the um, citizens of Yakima County, as well as my fellow officers within the valley. Without you guys, I wouldn't have been very successful, and you've kept me safe and got me home to my family every night. Um, thank you for that. Um, wish I could say more, but um, this is it. So, State 1034, this is the last time you'll hear me in a state patrol car. And Jay Inslee can kiss my ass. thank you for your 22 years of silence and service to the citizens of Washington State. You've taken on many roles in your time with the patrol. In your first year, you delivered a baby while on patrol in Bremerton. You've been a DRE, DRE instructor, certified technical specialist, and reconstructionist, peer support member, part of the chaplaincy board, and a CBD trooper. You've been a great role model and mentor for all young troopers serving in the area by sharing your knowledge and experience throughout the years. 
Thank you for your service. 1906. Robert LeMay, an officer in Seattle, signing off, finally. You know, that's just sad. And that's the story I know, you know, not only policemen, that's the story of uh, pilots, of medical workers, of doctors, of people across the country and really across the globe uh, because something evil has taken foot in the land and in the country and in the world that loves to control and I believe it's worse than that. I believe that there's something really insidious, and I'm I'm worried sick, to be honest with you. I have to say, um, um, I'm not going to have time to talk about this as much as I want, but um, at the Truth For Youth weekend in, uh, in South Carolina this weekend was wonderful, just wonderful. And could I just say, uh, we, Bishop Jackson spoke, and Miki Addison spoke, and Frank Turek, and Alex McFarland, of course, who organizes the thing, and the... Um, and we the musical group uh, Birdsong, I think was their name. They they were just incredible. And the reason I I say it that way is just that God's spirit was so powerful in that place. We talked about all the issues that are happening in the world, but God's people are. There's a quickening. There's just a quickening that I told you was going to happen, but I I knew because I know God. But just watching it, seeing it is amazing. And one other thing I I want to just point out uh, before I get to the the thing related to what we're talking about here is that I sense this incredible unity that only God can, only God, only the people of God can experience that has nothing to do with race. You know, I I have seen through the years, you know, um, it was always my, for whatever reason, God allowed me to have a broken heart over race relations years ago when I was a, a teenager and um, I didn't understand it because I didn't have any black friends at the time. But, you know, things have changed for me. And uh, as I've said before, after being on radio in Chicago for so many years, I had uh, so many black listeners. And that wasn't the only thing. I, I, my first black friend was a, <laughs> in Berlin, Germany when I was 21. And um, Mita Chubbs, a shout out to Mita. But uh, we learned so much from each other. My point is uh, that I've always had a passion because I know God's placed on my heart that we are no different that we are no different. And I think we've really learned to love each other. I was just thinking yesterday how much I would miss a black culture, not the hood, not any of that stuff, but black culture. I love it. And how, how much we would miss, how much I would a hole in my life if I did not have a, some sort of a connection with that whole world. And uh, we, we experienced that at this Truth For Youth because the race wasn't a factor. And uh, we talked, oh, it was just wonderful. And so, um, but I talked with a young soldier and his wife uh, who has just had the vaccination, and it's about them that I want to talk uh, in the next segment and other things too. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hello, this is Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who gave us a donation during our recent share that will help us to continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to tell the truth about what's happening in our country so that we can make a difference, so that we can be salt and light, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. We just had our greatest share ever in terms of our numbers. God bless you, thank you, and keep praying for us. If you are engaging in sexual sin, today is the day to repent. 
as it was corrupt in Judah, let's be honest, the same things are happening today. The pornography addiction amongst the body of Christ is through the roof. And by and large, many in the church are not discussing these things too often because many of the people who are entrusted with the responsibility to do so, they're bound themselves. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III on American Family Radio. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The American Republic was founded on the principle that rights are given to us by God, not men. As a result, men nor government can take them away. That's why our Declaration of Independence refers to our rights as inalienable rights. Government's role, then, is to protect the rights that God has given to us. The first freedom listed in the Bill of Rights, which government is entrusted to protect, is religious liberty. The founders did this because they knew that free exercise of religion is the fulcrum for all liberty. Wherever the flame of religious liberty is extinguished, all liberty is imperiled. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. All for the sake of the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and let me tell you about Jaime. He's an itinerant pastor in Ecuador in Latin America. He'll travel days by foot, boat, and mule. He's been beaten by warlocks. He's been robbed of everything in his possession, and he suffered broken bones after falling 60 feet in the Andes Mountains. Now, what awaits him at the end of each trip? It's a thriving congregation of more than 100 believers where Christianity is fiercely opposed. And when I share Jaime's story and how he serves for the sake of the gospel, I recall Isaiah. 6-8. Whom shall I send? Who will go? And I believe this man is admirably answering that call and enduring more than most pastors ever will. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Jaime is humbly asking us to send God's Word. Bible League invites you to send a Bible for only $5 every gift match regardless of size. Call 800-YES-WORD. 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Communist China recently achieved what should be a Sputnik moment, an event that ought to shock every American and spur us to action. The PRC demonstrated the ability to fly into orbit a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile optimized to perform surprise attacks anywhere on the planet and defeat our missile defense capabilities. Wisconsin Representative Mike Gallagher warns that we risk losing a new Cold War with China if we fail to change course, notably by ending Americans' current practice of, quote, engaging in joint ventures, Wall Street and other investments, and research collaborations that involve areas associated with communist China's military civil fusion, unquote. The congressman is right especially in warning about U.S. dual-use technology transfers to our enemies. He should look into one called Skolkovo that then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton used to enable her donors to sell hypersonic missile-related technology to Russia. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Justin, in the inbox, uh, General Colin Powell has just passed away at 84. It says that he was he died uh, due to complications from COVID-19. He was fully vaccinated. We want to thank the medical staff at Walter Reed National Medical Center for their caring treatment. Uh, we've lost a remarkable and loving husband, father, grandfather, and a great American. I just want to point out that he was fully vaccinated 
but he died of complications from COVID-19. I wonder if anyone got ivermectin to Colin Powell. I kind of don't think so. Because, you know, that's like a horse pill, right? So uh, the ironies in all of that are amazing. Also, then when I want to move to what I want to talk to you about now, uh, at the uh, Truth for a New Generation, I misspoke, I got the name wrong. What I do that a lot, don't I? The Truth for a New Generation conference at Myrtle Beach, uh, Alex um, McFarland's uh, event uh, that I mentioned earlier where several of us from AFR Talk uh, spoke. It was really a wonderful event. And I met so many of you afterwards. A thank you. You just, just this wonderful people from all over the country going to great lengths. One guy drove five hours just to bring wooden crosses that he makes by hand to give to people. Um, people are energized. And thank, if he's listening, thank you for doing That was amazing. Didn't even get to stay for the conference, but he wanted to hand out those crosses, and he he did. People are energized. They are on fire because they're recognizing. Uh, and it's not uh, just fighting, fighting, I don't know, law, legislation, Congress, COVID restrictions. It's a quickening of the Holy Spirit that I feel, a quickening of God's people, an arising, a questioning, a separating of what really matters and what doesn't matter. And all of this other stuff, like, you know, in terms of life and death and uh, the, the lies of the medical community now led by Dr. Fauci. Mr. Dr. Mengele is an issue because it's killing people, innocent people, forcing people to take stuff that's not, they can't even choose. Just wrong. And so that takes me back to this young soldier. He's been, they were from Fort Bragg. He's been in for 16 years, I believe. Uh, They have lots of children. He's the sole breadwinner for the family. Uh, The military, of course, as you know, is being forced to take this vaccination. I've got the actual decree in my hand that someone sent. Deputy Deputy Secretary of Defense, Pentagon, memorandum for senior Pentagon leadership, commanders of combatant commands, defense agency, and DOD field activity directors to defend the nation and protect the American people. We need a healthy and ready total force. To accomplish this, the Secretary of Defense directed the mandatory vaccination of service members against the coronavirus disease 2019 by signing the memorandum Mandatory Coronavirus Disease 2019 Vaccination of Department of Defense Service Members. And that's how it begun. So now they're all having to be vaccinated. So this young soldier what, received his first vaccination, but he had a re- reaction to it. And now he's having trouble with his heart. He doesn't quite know what's happening, but he's got a lot of pain in his heart, just discomfort. Uh, They went to a different doctor outside of the military establishment who, um, I don't understand this, but but they'll say to my lay lay way of saying, took pictures of his blood after he received the first dosage. And it showed all kinds of strange things. And this reminds me, uh, if that sounds odd to you, uh, it comports with a young doctor. Uh, I say young; he's probably in his mid forties, late forties, uh, in Chicago, in the uh, suburb, suburban area of Chicago, who did a, an entire video just two weeks ago. I thought I had played it, but we couldn't find it this morning. Uh, where he had a, pa- I told you about it. I know a, a patient that suffered from severe diabetes was terribly overweight, and he had been working with him for years. Got his weight down. He was actually running marathons, and something happened in his life. The doctor did not explain, but the patient 
was forced to take the vaccine. And so they agreed together. The man actually initiated it. If he's going to have to take the vaccine after all this work to make himself healthy, uh, then at least they were going to take pictures or whatever, however you capture the look of your blood uh, after the vaccinations to notate and to, to s- explore and see the differences. And this doctor was on tape just talking about the shocking things that he was seeing uh, in this young man, I don't know what the age was, in this man's blood, this, his former, his current patient's blood, just strange things like figures and configurations of things he had never, ever seen. And the doctor was just, um, you could just tell he was so incredibly concerned and beside himself. Okay, so this young soldier, it sounds to me like that's what happened to him too. And now they're trying to stop from him having to take that second vaccine. He has a waiver for the moment because of the response of his heart, uh, but they don't have any assurance that they won't make him take that second dose. These are the real, these are the things that are happening. These are happening. And I, you know, I have been, I don't want to overstate because if I could, I'd spend full time on this and I can't. But I find that Congress is just yawning. They're just yawning. They're doing things like, Oh, well, we, uh, let's make sure that they don't. They get an honorary discharge if they won't take the vaccine. That's not enough. Respectfully, that's not enough. If you haven't done anything today, pick up the phone and call your senator and your congressman and say, what is, where are you on this? How can you stand by and let them force our young military, young healthy men, to take this vaccine when it's only experimental? By the way, it has not received full approval. Uh, it's a, The approval came for some other form of the vaccination that's not even given in this country. So it's not true that it has full FDA approval. So uh, the uh, Pentagon, by the way, is facing a class action lawsuit over the vaccine mandates, and that is coming from uh, courtesy of Liberty Council. I believe that's Matt Staver, my our good friend Matt Staver. Uh, there are 24 plaintiffs. Uh, so one of them is, I think, I bl- no, 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 some of them are Navy SEAL. That, I'm picking that up. I'm assuming that based on what I'm reading here. Vice Admiral William Galinas, uh, the commander of the Navy SEAL systems, on October 14th issued a warning to his entire command of more than 85,000 civilian and military personnel saying the executive order mandating vaccinations for all federal employees have provided clear direction. We are moving quickly toward a workforce where vaccinations are a condition of employment. Frankly, if you are not vaccinated, you will not work for the U.S. Navy. Right? That's all the Navy SEALs. And they're resisting. They're very healthy people. They shouldn't have to do this. And so the, are, the attorneys are arguing in the suit that no COVID-19 vaccine is available in the United States that has received full licensing and approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and as such cannot be mandated. And so I'm just telling you, there is a pushback. God bless uh, Matt Staver and Liberty Council for doing this. Uh, that's, and there's, I'm sure there's more to say. And, and by the way, if, uh, if some of you are military, I, we've said this before, uh, but uh, Liberty Council is a place to go. Also, Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, also, um, I can't think of uh, Mike, Mike Berry's organization. But there are a lot of uh, uh, there are a lot of legal societies that are trying to help you. Uh, and so, I, I'd say resist, resist, resist. That's the best thing I know is just resist. Don't rush to do this. And uh, let's see if we can stop this. And I, this reminds me of um, this is another piece of information I picked up this morning, so bear with me. It's uh, it's kind of scattered. 
But this this is about this is happening in athletics. Former Atlantic Hawks guard Brandon Goodwin says that COVID nineteen vaccine ended his career. Uh, so let me read what he says. He says, "I got sick. I never quite recovered. This is after the vaccination. I would always have back pain. I was just super tired in the games. I was so tired. I felt like I couldn't run up and down the court. My back was hurting. My back really started hurting bad. Then I'm like, okay." I need to go to the doctor, and that's when I found out I had blood clots. That's all within the span of a month. Uh, and he's confident it was from the COVID vaccine. I was fine until then. I was fine up until I took the vaccine. I was fine. People trying to tell you, no, it's not the vaccine. How do you know? You don't know. Yes, the vaccine ended my season 1,000%. He's been diagnosed with two blood clots and put on blood thinners, which ended his playing. The team said it was just a minor respiratory condition. And his agent told him not to talk about it. But that's not all. There's more. Uh, John, Ron Johnson is writing this. Uh, Ron has just been a, such a champion. I know I see that say that a lot, but honestly, I can't give him enough credit. Uh, he wrote an article uh, in which he said, uh, and this is this is what we've been saying. But I I just want to. It's worth repeating so that you have it in your your head. You know, we have to repeat things, don't we? We have so much information coming out, and it's hard to keep it all in your mind. But this is what. Well, Ron Johnson writes, President Biden, his administration, corporate media, and social media are denying three realities. The effectiveness of natural immunity and how medically unnecessary it is for the previously infected to get vaccinated. Number two, the fact that fully vaccinated individuals are getting infected and transmitting COVID-19. Can we say Colin Powell this morning? Fully vaccinated, who has just died from complications from COVID-19. Ron goes on to say, unfortunately, some are also becoming seriously ill, being hospitalized, and dying. This is not, as President Biden repeatedly insists, a pandemic solely of the unvaccinated. And number three, vaccine injuries, including death, are occurring at far higher numbers than health authorities want to admit. And um, uh, this is then another person, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, who is a U.S. Air Force flight surgeon, has been attempting to alert her superiors about the problems she's seeing. Um, and she said, as a result of her efforts to alert her superiors, she is now pariah to her senior command, and her medical license is being attacked merely for speaking out. The day before, her superiors canceled all her appointments with patients. Two out of five aviators she saw had developed periocarditis shortly after vaccination, only reporting their symptoms because they read an affidavit online. She has much more to tell, but is under gag order imposed by the military. Uh, this is a, this is Senator Johnson speaking last week. I received a letter from a Wisconsin constituent who was a pilot for a U.S.-based airline. His testimonial raises serious concerns regarding airline safety. Uh, he said the anecdote in the letter involved a recently vaccinated pilot who sustained over a two-day period partial blindness in one eye and then severe migraine headaches. His doctor told him he had suffered microstrokes. The pilot did not report his medical condition to his FAA administrator, medical examiner, because he feared he would lose his pilot certifications and hence his livelihood. And that brings me then to Southwest Air. Uh, the airline has asked the court to reject the uh, pilot's effort to block the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. They've asked a federal court to reject the lawsuit. I don't know what's going to happen. You know that Southwest has decided to uh, ignore uh, Governor Abbott's um, orders, executive orders that uh, companies in 
cannot fire people because they've not had the vaccination. Southwest says that the federal mandate um, is uh, um, carries more weight with them, so they're going to go with the Biden policies. And my understanding is that it's going to cost them federal contact tracks. Tracks, it's a money thing, and but you can see why pilots are not crazy about doing that. Can you not? And also, you know, you could just talk about, if nothing else, you could talk about the slim chance of young, healthy men, even middle-aged men, dying of COVID. It's not, there's still a very slim chance. Even in older people, it's never been more than like 1%, 2%. But they've made it, they've built, um, they have created a, 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 a narrative that has scared people to death. And at the same time, they have implemented policies that have killed more people than ever needed to die, blaming it on COVID to create the narrative that they have constructed. So it's really disgusting. And I want to, oh, uh, so you know what? I Can I move from that to something good? Is it possible? Uh, is it possible? I'd like to. You know, American Family Radio, um, when I went, when I was at a Truth for a New Generation this week in Myrtle Beach, you reminded me, those are people there reminded me of how much AFR talk means to them. You rely on us for information uh, because you feel you've lost trust with other sources. And so that's a, it's a sacred trust that we have. And I certainly view it that way, carefully trying to present to you, as to the best of my ability, what I believe is actually true from sources that I can trust. And so thank you. And I want to say unbelievable response in our share last week. Uh, we, reached, uh, we reached over $4 million dollars. And uh, that was uh, way above our goal. And so um, thank you. Thank you so very much for that. God bless each and every one of you. We so appreciate it. Um, I had a lot more to say. I was going to catch you up with uh, the January 6th, um, uh, the guys that are in jail in D.C. from January 6th. But we will still do that sometime, hopefully this week. Um, and uh, and there's also a lot of things to say about the upcoming elections, and perhaps we'll get to that tomorrow. But then I say that, but then the 24-hour news cycle brings other things that seem to be more pressing, and then I can't, you know, I just never quite get there. But it's not possible. You all understand that. We do the best we can, and um, I so appreciate your encouragement and support and American Family Radio, uh, all of us, the whole staff, from all of us, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your financial support. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.